welcome to this Good Friday service. I commend you for being here on this day. This is a service that reflects humanity at its worst. It's a reflection not just of the past, but sadly also of the present, where love comes to town and yet it's rejected. Fear is transformed into violence. On this day, we will hear that story again and be reminded of the way fear can ruin our world. But let us hear throughout this day the heartbeat of the gospel, of the good news, of God's love given to all.
Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this Jesus as one who is perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, this man has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then the chief priests and leaders and people all shouted together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This Barabbas was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and had been charged with murder as well. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed the crowd again. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that Jesus should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, Barabbas, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed as well. And among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, 
They crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing.
Blessed be the beloved forever and ever. Amen. Beloved God, we, your very own, created in your image and called to become your likeness, are blinded by our ignorance, fear, anger, and greed. This sinful veil blinds us to your beauty embodied in neighbor and creation. We stand before you with your mercy raining down upon us, washing over our lives with renewing forgiveness. Be the grace that strengthens us to serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name, amen. Let us pray together. Gracious God, turn the gaze of our souls to Jesus the beloved, heart of our heart, whose beauty was broken upon the cross. May Christ's arms embrace our broken lives. May Christ's heart heal our tortured world. And may the sinful veil of ignorance, fear, anger, and greed be lifted from our eyes so that we might see and fall into the Beloved's boundless mercy. Amen.
gospel continues. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. The people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, God's chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him some sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews.
the contemporary reading adapted from The Wisdom Jesus by Cynthia Bourgeau. The passion is really the mystery of all mysteries, the heart of the Christian faith experience. But this comes close to it. True love demands sacrifice because true love is a transforming force and is really the birth pangs of a new dimension of union. For a wisdom tradition like ours, the key, the key lies in reading Jesus' life as a sacrament, a sacred mystery whose real purpose is not to arouse empathy, but to create empowerment in the deepening of our personal capacity to make a passage into the experience of union with the beloved and recognizing all as the beloved. The crucifixion of Jesus is brutal demonstration of what ensures when our responsibility to do inner work, to look honestly at our own blind spots is avoided or projected outward. Jesus himself has earlier warned his disciples that this is the hour when darkness reigns. Yet, this is the hour also when Jesus responding to the criminal hanging by his side says, truly, I say to you, this day you will be with me in paradise. Some translations say even more powerfully, truly this day you are with me in paradise. The power of Jesus' self-emptying sacrifice has already set the future in motion. It has begun to make manifest the cosmic turning of the wheels of love, which will bind heaven and earth together. And even as this divine unity begins, it is important to remind ourselves that Jesus did not actually die alone. Though this fact is never mentioned in the Holy Week liturgies of the West, the four gospels make perfect, perfectly explicit that Mary Magdalene was there by the cross throughout the entire crucifixion and the burial as well. It is entirely possible she never left the site, or at best left it only briefly to return in short order with her two fellow Marys at the burial um, and bringing the ointments on Easter morning. What the other disciples could not manage, she offered effortlessly, an unbroken witness to the power of love itself holding all things together. For Mary, as for Jesus, it was not love stored up, but love utterly poured out that opened the gates of the kingdom of heaven. As we too learn not to harden and brace in the face of what appears to be the ultimate darkness, but to let all things flow in that great river of self-emptying sacrifice, we come to know and finally become the river itself, circulating through all things as the hidden dynamism of love. This, I believe, is the path that Jesus taught and walked, the path he called us to, the path he still calls us to.
Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scriptures, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Here ends the reading of the gospel.
I can imagine that she never took her eyes off him. She studied every part of him, trying to burn into her memory every line of his face, the exact color of his eyes, his calloused hands that gripped the cross, and his feet as they began to lose their color. In the surreal of that Golgotha moment, she remembered the smell of him as an infant, how she sang to him in the night when he was afraid. She remembered how smart he was, how gregarious, how she loves him with a depth of 10,000 oceans. She couldn't remember a time without him, this flesh of her flesh, and wouldn't allow herself to think that their last moments together would be moments of such violence and suffering. If the sheer force of a mother's love would have been enough to change his situation, change his sentence of death, it would have been done easily. However, it was not to be. So she just kept breathing in and out the only thing that she can do as the Roman Empire executed her innocent son. I imagine her head was spinning as she tried to stay conscious at that time, and I imagine she sang to him again, trying to comfort him as he died. Without a doubt in my mind, I know that she told him she loved him and said, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I imagine after he died, she laid down at the foot of the cross and she waited for his body to come down so that she could hold her boy one last time. It's hard for me to understand this day outside the context of a mother losing her child in a brutal and violent way. My heart goes out to my sister Mary and the women who stood with her in the face of what must have been inconsolable grief. If I close my eyes, I can hear her cry for the sound a mother makes when her child dies is unmistakable. It comes from the depth of her soul. You can hear her heart breaking and you never forget it once you hear it. I just wanna go to her. I wanna sit with her. I wanna be with her so she knows she's not alone. I want her to feel the solidarity of another mother. I want her to know I thought her son was important too. And I want her to know in my very humanness, I will never forget him. I want her to know that I too see the injustice of his death. And let us be clear. Jesus was crucified by the Romans for political sedition, for being a threat to the imperial occupiers 
of his day. Jesus spoke of liberation. He spoke of justice. He spoke of mercy. And he upset the status quo. His life and his teachings call us to point out sites of violence and crucifixion with all the fury and force of a protective mother right here and right now in our own lives. The cross asks us to take the reality of suffering, of human suffering, seriously. In a neighborhood in Los Angeles, a group of women lived together. And by their presence, by their solidarity with each other, they were transforming their violent and suffering world. For years, they watched their children being shot in the street, murdered in front of their homes, and they decided it was time to turn that LA neighborhood around. They moved their bodies with steady power into places that would make a difference. They organized together. They worked together to face drug dealers. They faced racist police profiling, and they faced the gang leaders who were killing their children. They came out into the street in groups of two or three when drug deals were taking place, and they stood there, and they stood there, and they stood there until the dealers left. They marched to the police station and asked, please tell us why you are killing our children. They organized barbecues and invited gang leaders to come and talk. Over time, the presence and solidarity of those mothers working together because they knew that each and every child was important they changed their entire neighborhood. For me today, what I will be thinking of and offer to you is what neighborhood are you called to transform with your presence? What violence are you called to point out? Where is the crucifixion in the world that you need to run to and say, I see you? Your child is important, and I'm going to stand with you so you don't have to do this alone. How will you embody solidarity to those who suffer in your world and in your orbit? How will we create community together that understands that systems who don't love justice and don't love mercy, and don't love liberation, don't love God, and we won't tolerate them. So on this Good Friday, God Friday, before our resurrection, I ask how will you, how will you sit with Mary?
one of the criminals who were hanged there, kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last.
Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, who though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. now in silence, the silence of death, but stay awake and listen and watch for the dawn, for the dawn is coming, the dawn of a new day, the dawn of hope, the dawn of Easter. 